you know, one of the rhythms I really need is kind of a personal time most days to just connect with myself and with my creator. I really need that. It makes my life go better. I don't trust myself to do it on my own. I mean, I, I, try, I try to do this thing on my own. Um, I'm sure I'll fail. I've failed too many times. So the rhythms of quiet for me and listening, for me, those are, I like to do those early in the day to set my day. That's almost inviolable to me. I'm not going to change that. My health, eating, exercise, rest, those are all important. But my day starts early with just being quiet. Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. All right, welcome everybody. And I'm really excited about our guest today. And if you've ever met somebody who has a twinkle in their eye and just knows a lot of people, that's Don Fallis. You may know him from his regular columns in the News Gazette about faith and religion. But what you may not know is that he's a graduate of the U of I. He served as a campus pastor for more than 20 years, then transitioned into administrative work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and pastoral care at Vineyard Church in Urbana. Since 2011, he's directed a small nonprofit organization called Pastor to Pastor Initiatives, supporting pastors, church leaders, and congregations through counseling, mentoring, coaching, and spiritual direction. He has an open and honest talks about all the behind the scenes stuff involved with being a human in a spiritual job and basically encourages pastoral leaders to stay the course. Over the years, Pastor to Pastor has served more than 200 pastors. He has also offered classes on spiritual formation, marriage retreats for pastors and spouses with his wife, Jennifer, seminars on emotional health for church staff, classes on grief, and retreats on silence and solitude. In 2009, I had the pleasure of working with him with Soul Care to put on a seminar on how to better understand and incorporate the Enneagram in the life of the pastor and the church. So thanks for joining us today, Don. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. Yeah. So you've been in the Champaign-Urbana area for quite a long time, since 1978. Is that right? That's right. I moved here in July of 78, and I'm still here. Wow, that's that's uh, you're an old timer now, right? So what yes, brought you old. here? <laughs> Young at heart, though. <laughs> Campus ministry brought me here um, in '78, and I just got married in Phoenix, Arizona, that that summer, and we drove across the country. Uh, we we came here on a hot July day, hot humid day, and. <laughs> We got out of our car and we said, we can't breathe. It's so humid. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, but of course, we could breathe. And we said, we'll stay a couple of years and then we'll move on. 
but we didn't. We, that never we, happened. We stayed. I, I worked in campus industry, like you, you said, for 20 years. And um, yeah, it's been a good ride. It's been a good place to live. Yeah. What's one thing that you love best about this community? Oh, boy. Lots of things I like about it. And the university, because my wife uh, taught at the university for a long time, 30 years, and we just sort of jumped in with university life. And so I like living in a small city that's uh, with a university right in the middle. I like that a lot. Yeah, it really provides a lot of diversity and a lot of different perspectives. And there's always something going on, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. bored. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a good place. Well, good. So you do such important work with our spiritual leaders in the community. And it's just really interesting because it looks like we might have a little bit of a crisis of leadership in the church right now. I was doing some research and according to the Barna Research Group, there's about 1,500 clergy who leave pastoral ministry each month. And I also found a thing that said the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics stated that 90% of all clergy in all denominations won't stay in ministry long enough to reach the age of retirement, and 50% of all the ministers who start out won't last in their position for five years. Burnout seems to be such a major issue with 90% of the pastors who report working between 55 and 75 hours per week, and they just don't feel like they're adequately trained to cope with the demands of their job. They have regular serious conflicts with their parishioners, and they feel like their job negatively affects them and their families. I was really surprised to read that 66% of church members expect a minister and their families to live at a higher moral standard than themselves. So they put those pastors up on a pedestal. And I was really, really surprised to read and to learn that 70% of pastors don't have somebody that they consider to be a close friend. So in your work and in your ministry, have you seen evidence of these things in your work in our community? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's, it's pretty striking, isn't it, to, yeah. to read all that? Pretty striking. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. I, I mean, I don't know all the, the statistics. I, I certainly have. I mean, in my work, I mostly meet with pastors and leaders who have been in ministry for anywhere from two years to 40 years. So I think it's true that many people who start out now do not end up in the ministry. And people that might start out and feel, say, called to ministry, maybe go to seminary, and then they get into it, and it's not what they thought. And they didn't quite know how to prepare for it. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think one of the hardest things in, in ministry is I mean, dealing with people, how to handle conflict, how to serve people without feeling like you have to be their savior, because you're not their savior. I mean, you're you're their pastor or you're their leader in a Christian organization. And so how do you have boundaries? How do you, how do you understand what you're supposed to do? Are you really called to a higher moral standard? I think that there's some parishioners in churches that might think that. I don't think it's true in all churches now, uh, but I think, it, I think some pastors perhaps feel that. <laughs> you know, I'm really called to lead. I've got to be, I've got, there's a certain persona that I have to put out and, they try to do that. And I'd say usually it doesn't work very well because, I mean, you can read the news every week of some well-known pastor in certain denomination who 
has a long career and at the end of their career or during their career, they make mistakes that cause them to have to leave the, the ministry. And it's just pretty stunning. And, and, you know, how do you, how do you keep from doing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, that's a real question that people have. And finally, many deal with it, not all, by saying, that's it. That's it. Going to go work in a, in a, you know, in a Dairy Queen in Bozeman, Montana. I'm done. <laughs> and I don't blame them for doing that. Whatever changing careers is okay. But it's, it's a challenge. And that's the heart of pastor to pastor. I mean, I, when you read, I've worked with more than 200 pastors. I guess that's right. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot. And um, uh, what, what I try to do is help pastors, men and women, say, you know, what, what kind of uh, a life do you want to live? What kind of boundaries do you want to have? How do you want to approach your spiritual life, your spiritual health? Because that's really important mm-hmm. because once you get into it, there's often a little bit of a honeymoon, but boy, that, that honeymoon will leave. You'll give a seminar, you'll preach a sermon and somebody will come up to you and say, is that all you got for me? I, I totally dis, I totally disagree with you today. I mean, if that's the direction you're going to go, I don't, I don't know about you as our leader. That, that will happen. Right. I promise you that will happen. You will offend people particularly if you call them to, to be spiritual people, people of a high, a higher moral plane. And uh, what's that going to mean for your life? How do you structure and live your life so that whatever comes, you can face it? That's what I try to be about. Mm-hmm. So in my work, I ask lots of questions. I mean, I don't ever feel like it's my job to do a pastor's thinking for her or for him. Mm-hmm. It's your, your job to think for yourself, but I, I try to ask you great questions. So I'm kind of giving you the style of how I do my work. And yeah, there are a lot of people who leave ministry. I, I don't know if it's that many a month. It, it may be. But um, if you say, this is a work I want to do my whole life, my whole working career, then I would say, you better make darn well sure that you've got some structures of self-care and boundaries that will help you through it. Otherwise, it'll be too hard. It'll be too frustrating. Yeah. How do you help them explain and come to an understanding of what self-care is and why it's so important? I think self-care is kind of a buzzword that we've used in the last, especially in the last couple years. And to many people, at least in the to women, self-care means getting your nails done or taking a shower or getting a massage. And and to me, self-care is so much more than that. So how do you help them kind of understand what true self-care is and why it's important? Yeah, that's a great question. Self-care is different from selfish care. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what selfish care is, other than to say it's all about me you pushed me around long enough. I'm now going to live my life the way I want to. I'm going to do my nails. I'm going to do my massage. I'm, I'm going to be gone at retreats once a month. And it's just, I've got to take care of myself. I'm not saying that any of that is inherently bad. I'm not, I'm not at all. Mm-hmm. But when I say um, self-care, 
mean, what I think of is how do you live in the normal rhythms of life in a way that you can be rather holistic, physically, mm. emotionally, spiritually, so that you're not just chasing your tail and you reach a point where you say, I've got to get counseling. I've got, got to get some antidepressants. Finally, I've got these drugs that helped me. And now I'm going to go on retreats. Huh? I mean, we're because you can chase your tail for uh, you know, a long time. And I'm not opposed to any. any yeah, none of those things are bad. I, no, they're yeah. not bad. I, I, yeah. I counsel a number of pastors who are on medication. Mm -hmm. I would never hold that against anyone. Mm -hmm. But when I say self-care, what I mean is, how can I help you find rhythms of life where you live a normal life, where you are content with your being and that you can, as far as it depends on you, you can live at peace with other people. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. And I call that, I, so I would say that that kind of care is soul care. And, mm. and what are the components of that? That kind of, that's self-care. Then there's soul care. It's a little different in my mind because soul care, to my way of thinking, is the more deeply spiritual care for yourself where you really engage the mystery of your person. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think self-care and soul care are very integrated. Yes. So I think a person could say, you can't really separate those two. I agree with that. I agree with that. So in my, in my work, I spend time with people. I have already today spent time with clients. We talked a lot about self-care, mm -hmm. mostly the rhythms of life. You know, it happened to be a man that I was talking with just a, a, an hour or so ago. And he's, he's saying, man, I don't have any time with my wife. I got to have some rhythms in my life. I just asked him questions that helped him come up with a, a kind of a clear self-care program. We didn't particularly talk about soul care too much, you mm -hmm. know, his deep spiritual rhythms. But those are very integrated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I combine them in my work. Yeah, I really think that that's a fascinating model. And they are both so essential, especially when you're thinking about the integration of your body and your mind and your spirit. And I like your definition of being in balance and bringing some rhythm to things. And behind that, to me, there's some intentionality. And I think that a lot of us get caught in the trap of letting the circumstances of our life control us instead of being in intentional about the kind of life that we want to live. Do you find that? Oh, yeah, sure. That, that's why I would say to anybody, you, you, I think you will have a reasonably happy life if you find rhythms in your life that give that give you health, that give you contentment, that give you happiness. And I think, um, I think you can find those. Mm -hmm. So when you say rhythms, what, what is it that you mean? Elaborate on that a little bit. So for me, you know, one of the rhythms I really need is kind of a personal time most days to just connect with myself and with my creator. I really, I really need that. It makes my life go better. I don't trust myself to do it on my own. I mean, I, I try. I try to do this thing on my own. Um, 
I'm sure I'll fail. I, I've done, I've failed too many times. So the rhythms of quiet for me and listening for me, those are, I like to do those early in the day to set my day. That's almost inviolable to me. I'm not going to change that. My health, eating, exercise, rest, those are all important. But my day starts early with just being quiet, mm -hmm. just to be quiet. Not every day, but most days. Mm -hmm. Being quiet. I'm, a, I'm an ordained Christian pastor. I'm now working mostly with pastors, not exclusively, men and women. And so my Christian faith really directs that quiet time. And so I'm quiet. I have certain prayers that I pray. I read from the Hebrew and New Testament scriptures. And I write in this journal that you see, Kelly, because you, you see me on Zoom, but others are just hearing me. Mm -hmm. But these, this little um, five by seven journal, a hundred page, five by seven journal, I filled almost a hundred of them. Wow. That's not spectacular. That's just, I just, I go through a certain rhythm. I often pray the same prayers. Mm -hmm. uh, there's certain prayers that I prayed for, for decades. Mm. And people say, boy, you must be boring. I must be because it's really working. <laughs> right. Uh, and so then, um, you know, I, I do that very early in the morning because I'm an early person. <clears throat> that means I don't stay up very late at night. Rarely. I rarely see 10 o'clock. It would mm. be a rare day that I see a, uh, 10 o'clock. But it would be a rare day that I slept past 4.30 a.m. Wow. It would be very rare. That's, my wife says, yeah, if you're around our house, Don has lunch about eight o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time he eats breakfast. <laughs> of course, she's kidding. But, right. but you know, I, I start and I set my day that way. Then I enter the day. And Jesus says, uh, don't worry about your life. He says this in the, in the great Sermon on the Mount. But if you do, if you do insist on worrying about your life, at least... Uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, mm -hmm. I think he's being funny there. That's pretty funny mm -hmm. because I mean, you you might go, you might leave your office today and step off the the curb and sprain your ankle. You you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, after I sort of quiet myself and read, pray, write in my journal, I read the paper. Mm. I, I read the paper almost every day. I've, I've just done it for decades, and I. Take those two, you know, I take my quiet, getting, setting my day right in one hand, and I take the newspaper in the other, and I hold them in tension. Hmm. Because I read the paper, and, and you know, you, you do whatever you read. And, right. and an eight-year-old child has, is lost in the forest north of Cham North Champaign County. Not that there's forest here. And right. you go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Well, that's how the, that's life. Mm -hmm. And if you have no rhythm in your life to quiet and set your soul in its place where you can be at one with yourself and with the Lord, how are you going to make it? Because mm -hmm. it's going to come at you. Life is going to come right at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, stuff will hit the fan. I promise you it'll hit the fan. <laughs> so for me, that is what I mean by, by quieting myself. And you normally I go through what uh, in the Christian tradition is called the daily examine. Mm -hmm. St. Ignatius uh, has of this 
you know, centuries ago, came up with this way to examine your life mm-hmm. that I normally do every day, mm-hmm. where you quiet, it's part of my being quiet, I quiet myself, I, I, because I'm a follower of God, I invite God's presence. And then that's what I, that's how I start. Mm-hmm. This goes about 15 minutes. Yeah. Then, then second, I give thanks. Mm-hmm. I just say, I am grateful. I am breathing. Mm-hmm. I slept last night. I have friends. I have family. I had plenty to eat. You know, whatever. You just give yeah. thanks. Mm-hmm. This, this life is a gift to me. I acknowledge it as such. Mm-hmm. Then I, then I replay the I replay the day from or before the, or the week or the week mm-hmm. before. Sometimes I might replay the month. Mm-hmm. What's happened in my life? What has been the highlight of my my week, my day, this season? What's been the hard part? Where, what's been what's been a part I didn't like? So I, I spend some time doing that. I just replay it. Think about it. And then I move on and I say, what emotion have I really felt during this week? What emotion, positive emotion comes to the front? You know, and I might think of this conversation I'm having with you, Kelly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had this conversation with with Kelly Skinner. I just felt so relaxed. Oh, she's so easy for me to talk with. But I just think of the emotions I'm feeling. Positive. And then what painful emotion do I feel? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, I went to the store. I was pulling in to park and a guy cut me off. All of a sudden he rolled his window and I started screaming at me. I, I don't even know what I, what, what happened? Gosh, I felt really attacked. So you review your emotions and then in this daily exam and you move on and you go, okay, I'm going to go on with my day. God's grace is with me. What's next? How am I going to live differently? What do I want to do different from what I did yesterday? That's called, St. Ignatius calls that the daily examine. As I center myself in the person that I am, that's helpful. That's a helpful exercise for me. Mm-hmm. It's a long tradition used in both Catholicism and Protestantism, and mm-hmm. I like to do that. It's all yeah. part of my day. I often do it in bed at night. Mm-hmm. I lay in bed and I think, you know, I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's one of many exercises one could do. I like it. Mm-hmm. I love the exam, and I, I also do that. And one of the things that I try to do is as I'm getting ready for bed, you know, brushing my teeth and washing my face and getting my pajamas on, that's actually, I use it almost as a, a moving prayer. So I'm not necessarily still, but those things are so automatic for me. I also have advised other people, you know, as you're turning off the lights in your house and checking all the doors and heading upstairs or heading to your bedroom, that's a great time to do it. And I actually teach the examine at Soul Care. So people can come in for a two-hour short retreat and get to experience. There's a million different ways that you can do the examine, but there's some specific parts to it. And then we talk about it and where it came from. and, And then I give people time to actually practice it. Good. And it is a great, it's a great exercise. And I also really appreciate um, a question surrounding where did you see 
the creator show up in the things that you're recollecting. So where did you sense the presence of God? Where did you, did you hear um, that still quiet voice? And it's amazing when you start um, connecting with that and being present with it. It's not like there's booming voices out of the sky that God tells you what to do, but you might hear God's voice in a song on the radio or a magazine article in in Good Housekeeping or whatever Oprah magazine that you read right. or a phone call that you receive from a friend or a quote that you might have seen on Facebook. And it's amazing once you start opening your eyes where you can see the presence of God. Yeah, I agree with that. No, no, I think it, you you never know. But mm-hmm. I also like your word inti- intention, intentional, mm-hmm. and and I, I I would use the word intentionality. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you say, "Boy, I'd really like to do that. I'd really like to quiet myself for five minutes a day." You know, I do it longer than that, but I mean, I've been doing it for for right. You had 30, to start somewhere. Yeah, and you can learn it. You mm-hmm. can learn it. I've done it for thirty five years, mm-hmm. and would I change it? Oh no, I wouldn't change it. I mean, I'm, if I had to, I, I, I might, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And people say, I, I never could. A guy told me the other day, I could, I could never do that. Hmm. And, and I'm like, hey, you could do it. You could try it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's, it's, part of my, it's part of my life. And it makes such a difference, not only in, my, in the whole of my life, my spiritual, my emotional, my psychological, my, my physical life my interpersonal life, my relationships. Right. So um, I, you can learn it, mm-hmm. and, but you have to be intentional. Yes. There has to be an intentionality. And, yes. uh, and I can teach you that too. <laughs> so any, anyway, yeah. yeah. But a lot of it is being not living your life on autopilot and really setting that intention to notice and be present and be aware just of you and how you're showing up and what those feelings are and emotions are, what Absolutely. those, where, where you can be grateful for. I think all those things are so important. And I know for me, whether it's the examine or journaling or just being still has being intentional and aware and noticing are yeah. such important things because then they let you do something with the information that you have. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I would say for pastors, many pastors, they are involved in, in, in Christian workers are really involved in the lives of people mm-hmm. and really intimately involved. And they really do pour themselves out. And it, I understand how it's hard for them to be transparent. Mm-hmm. I understand that you got, you have to guard yourself. And so, I mean, I, I was talking to a counseling, a pastor the other day. And as we talked, I, I said, what, what emotion are you really feeling? Mostly. He said, I'm just fine. And I thought, well, fine is not an emotion. That's right. It, it, it's not an emotion. And, and, but I understand that because I grew up, I grew up in a family myself. I mean, I, I grew up way out West and I say, I grew up in the land of numb N U M B. You know where everybody was. Everybody in the land of numb is just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, boy, I'm so sorry. I heard your grandmother passed. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, I heard you got a job uh, advancement. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I mean, that's just living in the land of numb. And I understand how sometimes pastors get there because 
you can't be transparent at that at a deep level with very many people. Mm-hmm. You, you can't you can't say you know I really love you people, but you're driving me crazy, mm-hmm. and I really like to leave this job. Well, how many people are you going to tell that to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's always a tension there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many people can you really be? You know, in your in your whole soul care, as you look for friends, how many people can you really be transparent with in your life? I mean, really transparent, mm-hmm. not very many, right. nor would it be wise to be transparent. You know, right. some people are inappropriate, right? I mean, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, you, you say, well, gee, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm really constipated today. I <laughs> hope I'm, I hope I, yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell people everything you know. I'm not talking about that. Right, right. And that's but, a defense well, mechanism too, right? Absolutely. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, verbal sure. verbal spewing. Yeah. But I say if you can learn to care for yourself, then you can learn to be appropriately authentic with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, can, you can be authentic with people with whom you will never be really close friends. I mean, mm-hmm. if the, the weakness of some pastors is they like to be liked and they want to be friends with everybody. Right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have 200 very close friends. It, that is impossible. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. I mean, you can be close and you're really close in your life with five people, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 10, probably not 10, maybe five. And so, but you can be authentic with lots of people, as long as you learn your boundaries, as long as you care for yourself, as long as you understand the natural rhythms of life and you approach them carefully and intentionally, I think you can live a very holistic life. Mm -hmm. And I think those messages don't just apply to pastors. I think it applies to to (laughs) regular, normal, everyday people. Yeah. And you don't have to be close friends with everybody and you can be authentic with a lot of people. That's right. Wow. Wow. So on the other side of the aisle, the other side of the equation, for people who are involved in a church community who have a relationship with a pastor or a spiritual leader, what are some things that they can do to support those leaders? That's a good question. Send them a card. Tell them you appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Take them to coffee. Um, I, I think be authentic with them and um, protect them if they need to be protected, whatever ways you think they need to be protected. Mm. I mean, come alongside them, speak about them in positive ways in front of other people. Mm-hmm. Gee, my pastor, I thought, Pastor Joe, you preached a, a great sermon. Pastor Sharon, I thought your word was so, was so good the other day. You say that to her in front of other people uh, because people need every human needs words of encouragement. They need words of affirmation. They need authentication. Authenticate me. Tell me I'm doing okay. Mm -hmm. And people say, oh, I don't need that. I don't don't need that. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've counseled now hundreds of people, hundreds, every person I can tell you needs to be affirmed. And uh, so I think that's how you can do it. Authentically uh, bless them write them notes, mm-hmm. text them. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about smothering them. Right. You know, then, then the person's got an issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm the pastor's best friend. Please, please, aren't, aren't I your best friend? I mean, that person may have an issue. Right. But I do think uh, transparency and real affirmation, everybody needs that. Yeah, just so seeing look, them, seeing them as people. Oh, yeah. 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 See them as people. Hmm. Yeah, just to speak words of kindness. Mm-hmm. Good, good to see you. How are you today? Mm-hmm. Really appreciate your good work. Thank you for what you do for us. That's all you got to say. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> the, people it's that easy. Like, really? <laughs> really mean that? Please tell me more. Please tell me more. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's all it's about that, not it's taking that people. Easy and it, it's mm-hmm. that easy and it's that important. Yes, for sure. Oh, yes. So... Your master's is in journalism, and you do a regular column in the News Gazette about faith and religion. So tell me the story about how that came about for you and what inspires your writing. It came about uh, a few years ago uh, when the religion columnist that they were using moved on. And I had been writing... And I just, I, I asked the, the editors of Gazette if they'd consider looking at me as the Sunday religion writer. Mm-hmm. And we went back and forth and they gave me a shot and I still do it. I mean, I, mean, I the, the paper has really changed in the last 20 years. Um, and, I'm, and the folks at the, the folks here locally would tell you that too. I mean, the paper sold, and, um, new, newspapers are are really changing. And mm-hmm. I guess a negative way to say that, and newspaper people know this, they're dying. Mm-hmm. Papers are dying. And, and that's because the way we communicate is so changed. Now, right. now we do podcasts like this mm-hmm. and yeah. we do, we do um, online newsletters and people have blogs. And, uh, but when, you know, 50 years ago, man, newspapers were hot. Right. Yeah, they, they were hot. And there's still some really great newspapers online, New York Times, Washington Post, papers like that. I read those every day. But I started re- uh, writing for the News Gazette. I still do. And um, what inspires me is being able to tell stories mostly. I mean, I've written about 800 columns. Wow. About 800. And uh, maybe more. I'm not sure. But um, I write the same thing over and over again. <laughs> I've noticed really? I don't write the same column, but I say the same thing in different ways. So I realize the kind of things I say. I like to tell stories. Uh, I like to write columns that, that basically say life is not fair, but uh, often the good guy wins in the end. I like to write that column. Uh, I like to write columns that basically point out that life is really full of mystery. There's so many things about life that we just don't understand. So those are the columns I write. I write those same columns over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I just they're different. They're different people, different topics, different ideas, different books I review, but they all center on those ideas. And mm-hmm. how did that happen? I, I don't know exactly. I just I just started writing, and I realized these are the things I like to say. So uh, uh, I, I do them over and over again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. So, uh, do, have do you have a favorite article or something that has particularly touched somebody in our community? Oh gosh, 
I don't know if I have a favorite. You, you know, it's like picking a favorite uh, kid, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think of the of the hundreds of columns I've written, I might have hit one of them out of the park. I might have one. <laughs> I might have a couple home runs where you, you you know you just you just get lucky, and all of a sudden the ideas come and people are like, oh, that that just spoke to me. Oh, and I say thank you. That doesn't happen yeah. very often. I mean, mm-hmm. mostly, mostly you just, it's like anything in life. You meet the deadline mm-hmm. and yeah. um, you, you write it and people say, oh, you must really be inspired to write that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I met, the, I met the deadline. <laughs> I don't think I have a favorite. So you're one. taking some of the magic out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, people tell me I, I'd love to write a column like that. I'd love to start a blog. I'd just love to do it. And I say, have you ever done it? And they go, no, oh, that'd be too hard. I said, well, you just said you wanted to do it. Right. It's one thing to say you want to you want to be a writer and you really want to have deep thoughts. It's another thing to try it. And so I told the guy the other day, you ought to try to write one column, like an op-ed piece for the paper, and submit it. Write one and see what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And if you get it published, then you then you judge it. How was that? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was terrible. I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it's same way with anything, you, yeah. you know, you're like you're putting a podcast together, you know, are you really inspired? It's mostly just really hard work, isn't it? Uh, it is. It's a lot of hard work <laughs> and a lot of behind the scenes things. And you get rewarded by having um, amazing conversations with people uh, and sharing the them. So <laughs> right. that that is the reward for me. But uh, yes, it is a lot of hard work and there's a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed and and things that you have to do to make to make the magic happen. Um, and I think with writing, writing is a discipline and you have to have the practice and whether it's experience writing in a journal or doing freeform writing or just writing a blog that nobody reads, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Every everybody has a story to tell, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about my work mm-hmm. uh, in in helping people form spiritual habits and and approach the deep issues of life in soul care. Because mm-hmm. because I I've I've talked with thousands of people. I never get tired of hearing another person's story. I am not tired of that. Mm-hmm. And that really. So what motivates me? That's what motivates me. Yeah. And that lights me up too, is hearing people's stories and their experiences and their perspectives and their their beliefs in the moment, because that changes and evolves and flows and, and gets influenced by the other people that you meet and the right. things that you read and the experiences that you have. So it's not static either. Each of us is like right. a river that, that keeps flowing. That's right. So that being said, though, uh, so right now for you, if you could kind of sum up your spirituality in one or two sentences, what would that be? Uh, For me, it would be loving God with my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength best I can, loving my neighbor as myself really loving myself because I haven't always loved Mm -hmm. myself and treating people the way I want to be treated. You know, in the great sort of summation of Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, which is contained in Matthew's chapter five, six, and seven, he gives these, these great thoughts. And at the end of that, 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, is the treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Just like Jesus said, I've told you everything I can tell you. Now, if you, let me say it to you one more time. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that summarizes it. And that's true for me, too. Mm -hmm. Love God. Love others. Love yourself. Mm -hmm. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier, if you're not doing the things that you need to do for self-care, and if you're living in the land of numb and everything is fine, you're not loving yourself, and then you don't know what it looks like to love others. So right. there's so much to unpack in that small little saying that you could practice that lots of different ways in your whole life and never, never get it all. And isn't well, that right. beautiful? And, and, and I don't ever get it. I don't get it perfectly. That, that's why part of my daily rhythm is what I call confession of sin. Mm. And I pray uh, an old confession every day mm -hmm. uh, that I need to pray. Mm -hmm. That includes praying. I have sinned against you in thought word and deed mm -hmm. by what I've done by what I've left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors myself. I have not truly loved myself. I am sorry. And I humbly repent. Mm. I need to do that. I don't know if others need to, but I need to be honest enough with myself to say that so that I can be filled up again. Mm -hmm. with God's love and his grace and his power to go out then loving myself and others and treating people the way I want to be treated. Yeah. And starting again. Uh, over it's and not over about again. laying down and prostrating yourself and no. shaming yourself and blaming yourself and wringing your hands and saying, I'm, I'm a bad person and I failed. It's about acknowledging where That's you right. misstepped. And That's how right. you can do better next time. And going out every day, right foot, left mm -hmm. foot, right foot, left foot. Every <laughs> That's day. That's all we can do. Yeah. That's all totally we all we can yeah. do. That's right. So do you have a, uh, a book or a resource or a person that has opened up a new way of thinking about or practicing spirituality for you? Oh, several people. But the person that comes to mind was a Presbyterian pastor. Uh, now deceased a couple of years ago, named Eugene Peterson. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Eugene Peterson was a pastor for really most of his life in Baltimore, Maryland. And then he was a professor at um, Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia. But among other things, he completely translated the Bible, which is remarkable. And he put it in in a, in a, in a very um, modern language, and it's called The Message, mm -hmm. which I've read and which I like. But Peterson himself uh, was not very impressed with himself. He wasn't very impressed with big glitzy churches. He was just impressed with the daily rhythms of life where you are honest with yourself. I read many, many of his books, most of them. And he was kind of a, a kind of a hero to me. 
Mm. because I, I really, I really admired him. I heard him speak at a conference once in North Carolina and got to take a long walk with him one afternoon. So his name is Eugene Peterson and he died about two years ago. So I, I put him there as a guy who really understood soul care and, um, and self-care and the careful, normal rhythms of life that can carry you your whole life. And I've kind of tried to model myself after him a little bit, Eugene Peterson. Mm -hmm. And we have some of his books here at Soul Care, if people are interested in checking oh, that out. Good, good, and, yeah. Um, He's very thoughtful. He's oh, very, yeah. very thoughtful. And if you don't, if you have a hard time reading the Bible or, or studying scripture and you want something that's a little bit more digestible, I think the message is a great place to start because it's, it's just in our normal, everyday language. There's Absolutely. no these Absolutely. and thou's and things Absolutely. that, that yeah. archaic ways of speaking, and it's much more relatable. It's a good way to dip your toe in it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. I'm glad you have his books. Yeah. So um, if people want to get in touch with you or uh, read some of your writings or learn more about Pastor to Pastor initiatives, how can they do that? Oh, they could, um, they could email me. They could look at donfollis.com. I write articles there and blog there occasionally. And so you could do that. You can look me up on Facebook. You know, you look up people you don't know and you go, oh, I don't want to follow that guy. <laughs> uh, they could email me at donfollis at gmail.com, D-O-N-F-O-L-L-I-S, like Sam, at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's what they could do. Okay. Yeah, and we'll put links to all your stuff uh, okay. with the podcast notes so that okay. people um, can, can link to that yeah, if they're interested. Sure. So I ask... All my guests, this uh, as a closing question, and you've talked about so many different practices, but other than the daily examine, uh, do you have any other favorite or most meaningful spiritual practices right now? I think being quiet. I mean, I can't practice the daily examine without really quieting my, my, myself, my spirit, you know, my, my soul. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the rhythms for me is a walk every day, mm -hmm. a walk. And uh, it takes, I mean, that because I want to care for myself physically. So I, I, I walk and often when I walk, I pray or I pray slash veg out. Mm -hmm. I, I just let my mind go into neutral and I think and I ponder. And I don't know if that's the spiritual practice of solitude, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I like to do it by myself. I'm, I'm a people person. I don't, I mean, I like to be by myself. I love to read. I don't have to be with people. But when I walk that practice, I think I would call it solitude. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just uh, try to soak in, try to soak in whatever God has for me. And, you know, people say, oh, what do you get? Sometimes I don't get anything. And other, other, other days I feel really his presence and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not keeping score today. I got a 3.5 from God. Right. That's not how I view it. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I think you, you lose at that. You just, I just want to be in the creator's presence and that practice, I guess I will call, I know I call it solitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And even just feeling the sun on your skin mm -hmm. or the mm -hmm. wind uh, mm -hmm. blowing or hearing 
mm-hmm. the birds or mm-hmm. the leaves or the grass or whatever, mm-hmm. I think you can mm-hmm. be in the presence of, sure. of the creator. You bet. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation and I think you brought out a lot of really great things for our listeners and it's just so enjoyable talking to you and you have uh, a great presence and and like I said, just a twinkle in your eye too. So mm-hmm. well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Kelly. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation. Or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table, and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.